Hi there, and welcome to the Interiors Podcast with Tanya Neufeld Flanagan. This show is all about informing and inspiring Irish homeowners and buyers on all things around property, house and home, from self-building to choosing flooring. In each episode, we interview industry experts and homeowners to give you practical advice and the motivation to create and elevate your spaces. Welcome back to another episode of the Interiors Podcast. Today, I have here with me Mary Rose Simpson, whose name you might recognize from the Great House Revival. Uh, Mary Rose is a homeowner who's going to be talking us through the big scale renovation of one of her family homes in Strad Valley, County Leash. So welcome, Mary Rose. How are you? Hi, good morning. Yeah, good. Thank you for um, the invitation to speak about the house. And I love the introduction, big scale. <laughs> <laughs> well, it didn't start that way. And that, we're going to talk about that. And uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with the show, um, so he, the fabulous Hugh Wallace follows homeowners who have historic homes, whether they're going to do it all themselves, like the guy from Cork, or whether you're going to enlist a team of experts like you did, and he follows them through the journey of renovating the house. But obviously the episodes are, I think it's under an hour, right? Yeah, just under an hour. They're one part series, like they're um, a collection of series, but they're just one part in in the full succession. You see, like you sit down to watch one and you have the whole story kind of unfold within that episode, which is nice. And, but we all know that renovations are so much more than can be condensed into that time. And what we do on this podcast is we talk to homeowners about the house, why they chose it, or in their case, or in your case, how it chose you, and why they decided to design it a certain way, who helped them, and some of the unexpected turns along the way, because, um, you know, we have a housing crisis now, and a lot of people are ending up with older homes, not necessarily by choice, and we're faced with a constant tension between character and history, as well as comfort, and, you know, good value for money, especially in terms of efficiencies. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, where we are now in uh, like 2022, it's a very different place to where I started. You know, a lot of them concepts that you're talking about, like uh, comfort and like dereliction and, you know, home and safety and warmth and are all something you want on your wish list. But I think that's nearly getting harder and harder, which is really sad for people that are going into the market right now or even taking on projects or something you know it's never an easy road but right now I can't imagine facing what I'd have to face if I if I started now um my heart goes out to anybody in that position but you will have a beautiful home you will be cozy it will give you a joy a joy of the rest of your life and everything like that so Keep going if you're starting, if you're beginning, <laughs> it'll all work out, what's for you won't pass you by, all that good stuff. And I think there's still a lot that can be gleaned from from your story. So yeah, take us back to 2019. I know it's your granny's home. So tell us a bit, you know, how long had you had the house? When did you decide to start putting wheels into motion? Take us through the the inception of the project and your original vision, budget, ideas. So early 2019. I had previously moved home back to Stradbally, rural county Leash. Um, oh, that's how you pronounce it, Stradbally. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You slur, you slur the, the, the start of a Stradbally. <laughs> my mom will probably give out to me if she's listening after. Um, Stradbally, Mary Rose. 
<laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so early 2019, I had previously moved home a couple of years ago. I was living with my mom. You know, I was I was getting more kind of um, set up in my career. I felt a little bit more confident. I was kind of having discussions um, around, you know, what's my next thing to do? Will it be house? You know, will it be travel? What What's mm. the next project that I want to take on? It's it's unusual in the sense that the house as it is, as it was back then, was just a house and it was my grandmother's house. And it's not just a house, it's, you know, everything attached to my dad's side of the family. My dad passed away when I was 12. Um, he was terminally ill for most of my life when I was younger. So the inheritance of this house skipped a generation. So it went from my grandmother straight to me which comes along with a whole dilemma of solicitors and, you know, capital acquisition tax and stuff that makes you become an adult very quickly when you start to face into. And, you know, it didn't just, uh, it wasn't just me, it was my brothers and sisters that were, you know, all like tangled into it and my mom and everything. There was just so much to be sorted out. So, my grand, uh, my nana had passed away like a couple of years before that. The house was still not in my name. We were going through the process of getting it into my name, but it was still a long way off. But my mom kind of came to me and we had been talking about it and she was like, why don't you just hire an architect and see, you know, what the possibilities are? You know, that's not going to be a huge like investment and at least like if it does go through um, and it goes into your name, you know, you'll be kind of set up for, you know, let's start to action this. So I was like, you know, it really kind of landed with me. And I was like, that's a really good idea. And then uh, again, my mom owns the local shop. An architect came in. My mom had a conversation over the <laughs> counter. Um, oh. And it was very much, do you want to talk to my daughter? She's and. <laughs> So it all came like very like, you know, I have to thank my mom for kind of kicking me a little bit to uh, kickstart it because, again, never took on something like this. and um, was a young adult, was 29 at, the sta- at this stage, going on 30 that summer. Very new world to me. Where do you start? You know, it's a whole, whole, whole host of questions before you even start to do the one, one thing that you have to do. So I met with him and I really liked him and he was local. I, I, you know, he was able to go that that house up the road, you know, the one down the other side of the street, you know, and it was it was lovely to be able to go visit them. And then, you know, again, more conversations over the counter uh, in the shop when then people used to come in. How did you get along with the, the architect or how did you find the architect or are you happy with the property and everything like that? So. Yeah, we kind of went from there. The architect did a plan of the existing building, so kind of did um, measurements of what we were working with. Mm-hmm. And that took a couple of weeks to come back to fruition. And then from there, he kind of um, had left me with the the idea of your wish list. What do you want in a house? <laughs> so, gosh. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're, at, at that point... Did yeah. you have like you had you you'd lived by yourself obviously when you were living outside of Leash? Were you living in Dublin? Were you living abroad before then? 
Um, I'd lived a bit um, abroad. So I was in London. I was in California. I'd lived in Dublin. I'd also lived in Port Leash. You know, the great thing about that, going through college, going through your first jobs, everything like that, you live in so many different houses. Yeah. Um, so you quickly are like, I don't like that, or I'll never have that in my future home. Or, you know, you start to kind of ideate your your future um, in, in and, and you get to live and breed in different areas as well. And you find out what's important. And like um, your previous uh, kind of guest, like Stella, the house, the local amenities, having that as well was yeah. something that was really important to me as well. Yeah, I kind of had lived all over, but I came back to home like and I think Strably is always going to be home to me and it, I just I love the little town and I love that Strably is quite as, mu- as much as it's rural it's quite connected because you know it's an hour to Dublin it's two hours to mm-hmm. Cork it's two maybe two and a half to like Mayo or Limerick or somewhere yeah. like that so it's very central to Ireland you can get around very quick you know and I learned to drive as well when I was quite young so I've been on the road and um, so I'm used to that yeah, and I like setting off on my little adventures from my rural little town. <laughs> and did you know what kind of style of interiors or architecture you liked when you enlisted the architect? Because usually people choose architects based on the style they like, but you found yours through like, I love it, these kind of provincial, lovely little conversations of like, oh, you should talk to this person. And it's probably so important that it was somebody local, both for you, but also the house, because it's on the main street. It had to be somebody who knew how important the house was to like, you know, the fabric, like it remains unchanged, whether you look at photos from 1920 to now, right? Exactly. Yeah, I think local is always important to me. Again, growing up in a local business, you know, you see the value and what that creates and how important that is to local areas. So I always wanted like, you know, you know, further along the story, all the tradesmen, all the builders, everyone was local as much as possible. But yeah, I, I really liked the idea that he, he was local and knew the area and knew the town and also had a few stories to tell me about other generations that had come before me. And so what was his kind of architectural style? And did you did you have an idea that you guys blended together or how did how did your your vision develop? You know, I didn't really think of like an architect being a particular style. Like at the end of the day, I'm I'm the client and I'm going to have an idea of what I want to create. So, you know, I set, you know, on the wish list, I probably gave him too much to work with. <laughs> Mood boards, um, you know, that kind of like, or, you know, all of that was, and then my background is graphic design. Um, gotcha. I went to Limerick School of Art and Design. So I had a very strong vision of what I wanted to create. Also, Great. the house is to to kind of build a picture. It's like, it's on the corner of a main street so it's as Hugh used to call it the bookend of kind of the terrace of 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 houses and the front door is kind of on a laneway rather than the streetscape it's when you walk into the house it kind of first off kind of changes you don't know where you're coming into the house in the sense of you know you can see the main street to your right when you're walking in but then when you go in the house completely unfolds into this narrow kind of long building so when people actually arrived out the back and they saw the stretch of the garden and also the yard they're like wait now where has the street gone (laughs) 
you know and where does all this space come from but that's like directly if you think about the street like basically right behind you from and then the the main garden so it's like a full stretch down from main street if you were to look through the house through the front window you'd see right through to the garden because the the door is on the other side it kind of takes you away the perspective of the house is kind of skewed a little bit I think and what's on the other side across the lane what do you see on um so the priest lives beside me and he has what's we're really lucky as well it's not just another like bookend of a terrace there's a front lawn which actually stretches down by the side of opposite parallel to my front window so I get loads of sun all on the kind of the strip of the front of the house that would have all the bedrooms and and the front rooms which is really yeah nice. that's great yeah because I see in the photos any photos of the exterior of the house it just looks like there's a it's a garden and then you have b- the beautiful original stone walls that are kind of your, your party walls to mm-hmm. the lane to the back and and to the side so you have the strong vision you have a big wish list and tell us about the the original house like the state it was in your granny style the layout how do we start blending the two things and uh, where and, and tell us where does great house revival kick in too? I suppose to to start off, it was my grandmother's house. She lived here when my grandfather had passed. I had never met him. So I just knew this house as my granny's house, my nana's house and um, the corner house. So again, two doors down, I that's my family home um, and at the back, my mum's garden and my nana's garden kind of interlock (laughs) if we're if we were kids and we were um playing in the garden more than likely nana was out doing some gardening or something like that um and we used to come through the back and there the back door was kind of as far as we were allowed in nana was very private she was like she was a, a different kind of nana like but she had her ways um to show love and you know it was a, a simple Kit Kat passed out from like the Kit Kat press or <laughs> something like that but usually um it was outside of the house um so there's there's very like distinctive core memories of being in the house when I was young with my mom or my dad or knocking on the front door to be a bit more polite and ask your nana for something like you always had to be announced or you know brought in or something like that it was never like run into nanas to get like something so yeah I have very like vivid memories and like probably the most vivid memory and like what still remained in the house was the psychedelic wallpaper that was in the main entrance um, and the kind of crooked stairs um, leading upstairs to the grandfather clock at the top of the stairs and that's like forever ingrained in my memory and it was it was um, when I started kind of into the house you know there was debris there was also so Nana had um, dementia and she also had Alzheimer's towards the end um, of the last few years that she was with us um, and uh, then she got put into a nursing home and then we did up the the home house and kind of extended out the back to facilitate her coming back from the Mm. nursing home and we and my sister and my mom cared for her full time because she had dementia and because she had Alzheimer's the house is very topsy-turvy like things kind of left opened and everything kind of disorganized like it just felt like somebody had just like been lifted out and almost like 
the day wasn't over that somebody had got up that morning so and you know the calendar was still on the wall for 10 years previous to like starting into the house as well like wow and you know I'd nearly expect Nana to come through one of the openings of 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 a room or something like that so it still had so much breath and so much like life I suppose as well but also array of all things that was never sorted out um, yeah. that belonged to my grandmother that belonged to my grandfather I never met belonged to my dad that you know from an early age like you know I came across things like you know mom and dad's like first valentine's cards or their their letters that they used to send each other and you know there was there was a point in the story or in you know looking back that I had to take a decision to start to go through all of this stuff. And is that kind of what held you back from even starting the project for a bit until your mom pushed you? I think so. I think it really did. And also the house was actually never mine until a later stage as well. So again, on paper, still my grandmother's house. She had passed a couple of years ago, but still hadn't gone into my name. So I was still kind of like, this isn't mine, but also it may be mine in a couple of years, a couple of months. I don't know. And I just was like, I need to kind of take ownership of this. And that felt hard as well, because I felt like I was taken away from my brother and my sister and my mom's kind of side of things as well. And I didn't know what I could move and what I didn't want to move. Um, then my sister was in London and you know, I felt very responsible and also like these aren't my things to throw out or make a decision on. And it was it was very, a very emotional kind of journey. And also it was in the background of COVID. Of course. Yeah. So all of this is happening just so we can orient ourselves in the chrono- like chronological order <laughs> yeah. of it all. So you, you got the drawings done up by the architect. You give him your wish list. I assume he then developed some initial plans and then you kind of had to decide what you were going to do with it. Yeah, exactly. So the initial plans I was quite happy with, but I kind of put a pause on them to kind of really feel a little bit more about the house. And then I think towards the end of 2019, I came back to him and I was with a few iterations to the design and we went through a bit more kind of back and forth with layouts and everything. But we we kind of worked on the house as is and not really moving any internal walls. The All the room sizes are quite adequate, all quite quite big. And even if you chopped like a little bit off, I just felt like you were going to lose the character of the the front room or the kitchen. It just felt like I needed to kind of just work with what I had. Um, And then the extension out the back that was kind of designed was kind of like an extension of the modern and kind of having that open plan kind of thing and that our living quarters kind of be out the back where there was more privacy as well because on the front you have like windows and you're kind of you're completely wrapped because it's like a, a corner house you're like yeah. from each side so out the back is kind of where you have the privacy which works because that, there's just sidewalk on the other side of the windows right yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so we didn't put, we could have put more windows there but then I was like oh we're going to compromise our our privacy basically in the yeah. home and having lived in a house similar to it um just two doors down I understand what that's like and also 
um, our wicket or our gateway used to be used by the butcher. So on our family home, there's like a butcher like waiting there. Um, and they used to walk up the back to get into the fridges and their whatever. So I know what that constant like traffic of people and you can yeah. relax only on a Sunday to actually enjoy your home in the way you want. Like, you know, you couldn't walk down in like your pajamas or anything like that. So sure. I really felt like that was important to to keep. So in your original plan with the architect that you come to at the end of 2019, it has very like pretty much no structural changes except for this new extension, which is just at the ground floor. So, you know, at what did you go to tender then? What did you, how did it move forward? And when did the changes start to happen? Yeah, so I went for planning permission then on the extension out the back. That so did you needed planning because it was bigger than, than 40 square meters? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it was going to house a, a dining kind of extension and also like a living room kind of extension. So okay. yeah, it was larger than, I suppose, what you need, I suppose. So we had to go for our planning. We went for planning. Everything went through very well, which was great. And the house came back with no kind of preservative orders or any rules in terms of what we could do or not do on the house because great which was great and then also it was kind of like oh wow this house is like over 200 years old Mm. um but yeah it's mad but I think because it's on the corner rather than the streetscape it kind of escapes a little bit of that that it's not directly seen as the streetscape not I'm sure but that was great and that kind of gave us a lot of yeah freedom and and also to to eventually do what we did (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is quite shocking um from you know the concept stage of what is proposed and you're like oh this seems like very straightforward yeah, <laughs> let's start into this so yeah forgive me I'm trying to think of the timeline so that was the end of 2019 that we went in for planning start okay. 2020 the pandemic hit also yeah we had got planning and then COVID kicked off yeah um I already worked from home at this stage I was like two years working from home as an e-commerce specialist um so um nothing in my world kind of changed in that capacity only that my outside kind of social life and whether I wanted to go to the gym or anything kind of changed so I had all of this kind of free time a little bit so I really started into the house like really clearing it out and really kind of I know just living in it and not even I suppose you can't live in it because it was like run down there was parts of the ceiling like falling in there was like mold on the the walls it was damp it was breezy it was it was derelict like it was it was bad all the windows were boarded up there was no light yeah it was really important for me to to spend time in the house and really understand it and that came with the decision of do I pay somebody to completely clear out this house or do I spend hours upon hours going through every little piece that is in this house and making a decision whether to keep to throw out or to maybe one day give it a new life and I think that that honestly took me nearly all of like 20 the year of 2020 and had then at the end of 2020 we were back and forth between tendering on kind of builders as well and 
what to do and uh, mortgages and stuff and I wasn't yeah. 100% sure if I wanted to like really go into it but in the process I was clearing out the house I was kind of just getting more familiar with the space and kind of making it feel like mine a little bit and spending more time in it <laughs> that was that was hard that was hard yeah imagine like a dark building a cold building <laughs> um and then all the emotion wrapped into it like you know sure. I'd go out and I'd be like okay I'm going to clean this entire room and then I would open one book and it would be like you know something my dad wrote and um, yeah or something you know my great grandfather or something a picture and I I'd literally be on the floor like and I I yeah just processing it all and and then having so many questions like who's this person in a photograph or and nobody to ask yeah and this prompted me to start a secret Instagram account which I still have not told anybody about there's a few (laughs) people that obviously follow this and one of them being the um researchers for the show and that's how I got involved in the show is that somebody came across this memoir to the house so that it it consisted of an anonymous person just taking photographs of the house what was but also processing everything emotionally it was like almost a diary to the house for myself because I think you'll always remember moments and you'll always remember like visually but sometimes you can never like capture that emotion again or it just fades away so I really and I'm not a writer I'm dyslexic and I won't be more visual in my written word because I was always in school I was never told that I was good or anything like that but I do have a heart and I I I know what's important so I just like you know I kind of just told a story and and it was kind of freeing because nobody knew who I was nobody had seen the inside of this house um and I could just talk and Maybe somebody corrected me <laughs> one day <laughs> on my grammar or whatever, but it was it was never about that. It was only about the house and almost like romanticizing the goodbye to the house. And then it was like the third or fourth photo that I put up and it was the hello to the house. All the other kind of things were like tiny little moments of like this item or this item and almost like creating a story for myself in order mm-hmm. to comfort me because I had nobody to ask because all my dad's side is gone and that was that was a way to comfort me but the hello to the house was the front hall with the psychedelic wallpaper stairs <laughs> and the discombobulation of you know just Nana had been in the house but then she was no longer there but she had dementia and everything was kind of all over the place I think I'll just forever just remember the house as that and sometimes even when I walk through the same door I nearly expect to see that like you know or it's like I said this the the editor of um the show as well it's almost like the old house still exists in another world like you know stranger things like oh yeah the upside down the upside down yeah it can't have just gone it's somewhere it's somewhere in the world and I think it's just within me a little bit or somewhere within my family it'll always live on as Nana's house the psychedelic wallpaper it's still there can't just gone it's no it's not gone (laughs) 
And so through that year, you're clearing things from the house, you're going to tender. And um, a more logistical question on the mortgage. So did you go for a self-build mortgage since you owned the house? Um, no. It, uh, so it was very much a renovation. It was, uh, you no, know, you didn't get like, for I didn't get any like first time kind of build or like new build or it didn't have to be like an A-rated house or anything okay. like that. It was just, um, and thankfully, you know, it, it again, something I didn't realize that was harder to do is it's harder to do on a derelict building and it's harder to do, you know, it's obviously more risk to um, the underwriters taking it sure. kind of finance on. So I was, I was lucky enough, like obviously I got a few no's along the way that, but um, yeah, um, received the, the, the mortgage. <laughs> um, but I actually had to end up going twice because COVID happened um, they cancelled the mortgage. Oh my god! Reapply again because of COVID. They were just like double checking that everyone was still in their place of work. Yeah, yeah. On my side of things, it was quite lucky in the sense that I had actually just got a promotion in work, and I was a little bit more of a more wage. Um, so actually, they ended up giving me more money. <laughs> and <laughs> Amazing. Bigger, you know, a little bit of a bigger mortgage, which was yeah. again a huge help. Yeah. Actually, yeah. How many square meters was the original house? That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I suppose I'd say it was a three bedroom, right? Probably somewhere between one hundred and fifty and two hundred square meters, right? It's, yeah. It's a. It's a. You know, it wouldn't be a house that would be built now. And you can see the size of this room here. They're quite adequate, large, blocky square rooms, like an yeah. old traditional kind of houses. So 2020, mortgage gets cancelled, you get it back. And I guess, so had you chosen your contractor at that point? Yes, and we had gone through, so I had done three kind of, I had done a tender, I had done three uh, builders, I had them in, I had spoken to them. And this is where I feel like the, the reason I ended up going with my builder was that Again, not going through the process, my architect brought each of the the, uh, the builders in and he kind of toured them around the house. Mm-hmm. And I kind of felt like, you know, I was nearly touring the house as well because it was very little questions orientated towards me. It was more so to the architect and maybe like a slight glance. Mm, what do you think, Meryl? And I'd say either yes or no or whatever. Yeah. So I didn't really feel part of it. Colin Walsh that I ended up going with, he came back for a second day um to to look at the roof or to look at the attic or something like that he had just a few more questions and I actually got to talk to him one-to-one and I found that hugely beneficial because I didn't really feel part of the first conversations and I honestly think even before he gave me the quotation he had it won because I just felt I was like this is somebody I can converse with this is somebody I can communicate with and also you know values me as the you know, the project owner or the, the client. Yeah. You felt listened to, which I suppose, especially when you're um, a young woman with a house by yourself in the country, all these trades, it's a bit intimidating, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then I, you don't know how that person is perceiving you as well. There's biasness against women. There's biasness against being young. There's, you know, all of that. Like, So you chose him. And I, I, I notice on your Instagram, you always give him a big shout out. And I think it's so important to have that relationship with the builder. A lot of times people are like, oh, it's all about the architect. But 
really the builders there doing every tiny detail. And if you don't have that relationship with them, that last step of communication is where so many little things can go wrong. So then the rest of your kind of team of experts, I suppose, at what point does the interior designer come into play? And the biggest question that I I need you to walk us through before we, we wrap up the interview is how did the plans for the house change so dramatically? So anybody that's seen the show, <laughs> spoiler alert, I track an entire digger through the house. <laughs> that must have been, after hearing you recount this story, that must have been so hard. Um, so I, I just want to know the, you know, the, the reasons behind it. Yeah, so there's two parts to that story. So the first part and the two parts kind of start with the the start of kind of like being on site with the builder and starting. Yeah. Um, so the end of 2020, we have a, a date to start and we start and that's a very emotional day. And that's where the demolition crew come in and tar- start to take down my grandfather's shed and also the shed that my dad built and and things like that and I found that hugely emotional and it was kind of that last goodbye to what was that was a very hard day but that was just the sheds (laughs) (laughs) my god (laughs) um and then it was like Christmas came everything stopped uh for Christmas January 4th January 5th we were meant to start back um and lockdown came and it was meant to be a month and here was where lockdown for builders happened where it was like not just one month it moved into the next month and it moved yeah. into the next month and it that was, was that was the long one that lasted after mm-hmm. the big flare-up from Christmas until like May right exactly Jesus. exactly we all thought we were kind of out of the woods the end of 2020 <laughs> Christmas came you know there was them that big news report of so many people in A&E and hospitals and everything like that. And yeah, the whole world kind of re-locked down. But yeah. it wasn't, uh, the government kind of hadn't made the decision to fully lock down. I remember I remember putting up a story on my Instagram and being like, oh my God, it's starting tomorrow. I don't know if I'm ready. I have still so many questions about, you know, what we're doing. And there was decisions made about the interior walls and I just felt like so unprepared and I was like I can't I can't stop this but also I know what's happening but still I just feel so fearful and also my sister's still in London she hasn't got to say goodbye to the house and she can't get home there's no flights all of this lovely stuff that comes along with COVID that everyone experienced on different levels then it came that the restrictions came in and as much as I was devastated I also felt like my whole body went oh do you know it's so funny you say that because so many people we've had on the podcast you know our recent renovations and anyone who had the the work throughout the pandemic said actually even though it was a nightmare during it it gave them so much time to refine the designs and live with the decisions and be like do I really want that um, so it's it, it's strange how it was maybe a blessing in disguise for a hundred percent. I actually think it was the saving of, of like so many, you know, even my enjoyment of the project and stuff mm. like that. 
Whereas like, if you look at the show and you look at me demolishing the back of the house, you can see that I'm so excited. But in reality- There's like a whole year in the middle that we don't see, right? <laughs> there's three months of not being able to do anything. Yeah. I was just delighted to be like, okay, okay let's go. Like I was really yeah. excited about the possibilities because- you know, at that time, we weren't allowed to go out. We weren't allowed to see friends. We weren't allowed. So this just represented so much more than just the house. It felt like just a little bit more hopeful that, you know, future exists and we can make plans and yeah. just everything will, you know, somewhat go back to normal. Um, so it just represented a, a hopeful future. Um, so I was just so ready to I think like you know my smiles kind of like look sinister a little bit (laughs) I'm so elated a little bit about the process starting again and in them three months I had really taken the time to adjust plans I brought in Ash Wilson um at the end of 2019 or at the end of 2020 so just before the lockdown we had like three months of like okay let's really get our teeth into this really understand and then um any kind of reservations I had about you know walls being torn down and this is the thing that the roof is perfect because it was done like about 20 years ago um so it was fine all the all the kind of internal walls are big thick walls um but the floorboards were rotten we had to take Mm. up all the floors and then when you're left with like these kind of walls that have no floors upstairs they're kind of just like sitting in open air and some of them don't look safe and then also you get an engineer and it's like oh that has to go and then you're like oh that goes that's joined to this and then that's joined to another part and you just you end up with no you know, the only supporting wall was kind of the, the if you're looking down through the building um, from the back was the left yeah. hand side that was kind of propping up the the, the left hand side of, of the roof. But then there's like the little kind of laneway kind of where all the kind of workings of the house kind of went as well. It was under another little roof as well. It was like a double valley, which was another problem with kind of the build. And that kind of all remained there. But we, we took out all the kind of internal walls that were under the main roof so it was also it was kind of necessity that dictated the revamp of the design into more of a widening space and also probably you saw the possibility for like so much space and airiness and like a more contemporary feel I imagine that probably felt like a benefit of like well you're reopening it but I haven't really made the decision because these walls aren't safe. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't see that on the show. It just looks like I'm a big like <laughs> digger. Just You're like, take it all out. <laughs> take it all out. Like I'm not sentimental at all about this. <laughs> um <laughs> i think you're here so you're here to, to to you know make your point you are very <laughs> sentimental <laughs> twitter um tweet i read after the show was like uh gray house revival more like gray house murder <laughs> oh god <laughs> we're setting we're setting the record straight today <laughs> exactly. I, i'm getting to to spill the tea on everything here yeah um, okay and so did you at that point the original plans were like to leave the rooms as they were. So did anyone ask a question then like, okay, are we going back? Are we putting new walls in the place? Are we replacing all of these? Or at that point where they're like, what do you want to do? Do we, do we change it? 
Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the plans that were drawn up and the plans that were kind of put into planning permission, etc. I still love them. And I didn't, I didn't see a problem with them. And then I love the, you know, the idea of still having the front room as my office and sure. you know, the, the breakfast room that was Nana's kitchen as my snug and the back room that was like the piano room was going to be our kitchen. And I didn't, I didn't ever see that change. So the walls kind of went back up in their original position, but actually gave us a little bit more room in the rooms because they weren't these massive big tick walls anymore um, and stone masonry walls kind of that were built back in the day. But then we were, I worked with Ash to really kind of elevate the house to kind of nearly give the idea that the, the walls are tick. So we did this quite clever thing when you walk through the the front door, there's going to be two kind of double doors into my office. And instead of just putting up a, a wall that is like a, a just a block wall, we incorporated that the wall was going to have storage in it. So it kind of gives this, when you walk through the two double doors, it gives you this presence of a big thick wall, but actually it's just a block wall that's kind of L'd. Uh, and then there's storage in the front, but it gives that kind of feel to the old that there's a, a thick wall there, which I really love. And it's yeah, probably something that just elevates the house a little bit as well. It just gives it a bit more like distinction in its place as well. Um, and kind of casts it back to the, the old as well, them thick walls. And there was nowhere else really that we, that nearly needed that because everything kind of just flows then into the back of the house. And the snug is kind of tucked away into a room that you'd nearly hardly notice is there. Amazing. So you did you did kind of keep some of the original room shapes when you, you oh, put yeah. up new stud walls. Yeah, all the rooms okay. were the original kind of uh, structure and like dad's room upstairs is still the same uh, orientation. Again, there was very little that we can do because it's a narrow house. So nearly the gotcha. breadth of each room is going to be the room. And then if you start cutting it, it's like, well, then you have to put like a hallway down to that room and then you make that room smaller. And then so it just wasn't it wasn't feasible. But also I never saw it any other way. It was always going to exist nearly as always. But the stairs changed orientation <coughs> instead of doing that. You know, you can imagine an old house, you come in and the staircase is, you know, tied to the wall and it's like straight up. But I kind of like pushed that back into the hall and it's quite a nice feature now. It kind of it's a U stairs, um, it's a cantilever stairs, um, and it feels quite firm in its position and it's tucked away kind of in the back. But also yeah, they're beautiful when you come in uh, and you have this lovely opening space as well. Cause I always feel like in a house, especially on the main street of a house, that uh when somebody knocks or somebody comes into your house it's nice to invite them into a house but when you have a room that's to the left or to the right and the openings are there you you sometimes feel protective over your house or protective over over them rooms or the kitchen could be a mess or the sitting room could be a mess. Yeah. You're like oh don't don't come in more than two <laughs> whereas I really want to invite people in like so the hallway is like almost like a landing place where you can talk and chat without yeah. actually nearly even seeing the house and then when you get like further invited into the house it really starts to unfold the the full magic of it and you know even the stairs is not like directly in sight it's nearly to the the left of the of the hallway like in a straight vision 
so you know that the house kind of corners and kind of leads your eye that way as well which I quite love amazing yeah I've been you know as we've been talking I've been looking through all your videos and and photos on your Instagram and I think when we publish the episode you're going to have to do like a a video walkthrough before and after to give everyone (laughs) a a good feel for it because it's so helpful to be able to reference it visually and and see what you've done with it and I think it's it's a beautiful testament to a family home that you've managed to keep so many spaces still kind of feeling the same but yet kind of making it feel really lively young feminine and fresh with those feature stairs and your bright kitchen and you have like that inner conflict with yourself the whole time when you're renovating a house feel like you need permission anybody that's listening as well like I'm giving you permission to be contemporary to be modern two things can be true at the same time as in it's still an old house but it it can be yours and it can be contemporary and it can be modern um and it can give a nod to the old true what you do with the architecture or you know whether it's a piece that you bring in from an old house or it's just even the feelings of rooms like the front room when I'm sitting at my desk every day like I know I'm in the front room of the house because and I can still again the underworld of it I'm still you know that was the good room of my nana's house and when I'm sitting in it now I know that that's still the room because the views out the windows are the same the orientation of the windows are the same you know all of the external structure of the windows the doors are all the same and I think sometimes there's a lot of people don't want to part with like, oh, but we don't want to part with that wall. But the walls can be rebuilt in a safer way and in a more insulated way. And sometimes there has to, sometimes attachment for attachment's sake isn't beneficial. If you can recreate the feeling of that room by putting back up the spaces as they were, might be more cost effective, more sustainable, and still achieve the, the same feel and, and make your build a little more logistically possible. And sometimes, like you said, even if you decide not to do that, they peel back layers and see that it's not even possible to retain some of these things. So I think people need to be aware of the the surprises that can come along the way that'll force you to be flexible. A hundred percent. I feel that like emotion, like I, there was one wall that I literally found <laughs> so hard to say goodbye to. And it was like the back kitchen that we used to come through. And it was like, if the wall kind of like flexed like a little bit like kind of turned on its side and Nana used to instead of a a door she just had this little curtain I could still hear the curtain kind of going across the curtain rails (laughs) um, and she'd peek out or whatever to see who was in the back kitchen or and that was kind of like the only you know Nana wasn't in the back kitchen it was like you'd only peep around the corner maybe be like Nana Yoo-hoo. <laughs> do you know um and that that kind of you know I can still and if she was looking for something or she was looking for money to you know uh get her to get us to go to the shop or something she'd be fumbling in a drawer or something and just leaning on that wall and watching Nana in the space and in her house oh, I found so hard to say goodbye to that wall and that was just going to be a wall in the house you know but it had to be taken away and it had to be uh, restructured and uh, made a safer wall. And also all that all that side of the house was a kind of an inside outside wall. So it was going to be had to be insulated and dry lined and mm-hmm. uh, repaneled and everything. And the wall was already like a little over half a meter 
And with all of this on either side of like, you know, plastering, you know, dry lining, timber slats, all of this was going to bring it out to like 1.2 of, of a wall. And I was like, the amount of space that I'm losing on the right of this wall and the left hand wall. And it was like basically the spine of the whole house. And it, yes. just, it just was not going to work. That's a that's a perfect metaphor for an approach to a build. And most people wouldn't have such strong sentimental attachments to the house because you've got so many generations of memory. Sometimes people get their parents' house and maybe they grew up there. But you've got, I love the photos you have even of like your grandfather standing outside in front of the church and you standing out in front of there. So I think if you can do it, <laughs> the everyone else can too. And I think to really evaluate things and know that like you said, you can capture the memories and bring back parts of the house in other ways. Thank you so much for walking us through all of that. I think it's a beautiful story of history, character, and bringing the history into the present, into the future, and giving yourself the space and time to evolve the design as per your needs and being realistic of that and not being too stubborn. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much, Mary Rose. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to the Interiors Podcast. To learn more about our guests or anything we mentioned today, please refer back to the show notes. You can also follow us on Instagram at the Interiors Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast today, we'd really appreciate you leaving us a review on whatever platform you're listening in on and sharing the podcast with your family and friends. Until next time.